1: Good morning and welcome in. It is Sean and RJ right here on 105.3 The Fan, Alec Medford and Bobby Belt. Today, Sean, RJ, Bobby, and Peyton Russell will rejoin you for the rest of the week starting tomorrow. Coming off of the holiday season... Happy New Year, everyone. Hope you all safely enjoyed your holiday. The truckwreck.com text line is 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053. And a friendly reminder that we are live on the fan cam as well, twitch.tv slash Dallas fan cam or on the 105.3 The Fan YouTube page. So, 7 a.m. headlines right here on 105.3 The Fan uh, plenty of action going on over the weekend in terms of football. You have the college football playoff. You have all the NFL Week 17 action that had plenty of playoff implications. You had the Stars getting a win. You had the Mavs getting a win. It was a clean sweep for the DFW Metroplex. So a good way to start off the new year here in the Metroplex. And it was all kicked off on Thursday by a Cowboys win, too. So really, whole Metroplex was celebrating over the weekend. Super
2: pumped. Super pumped. Cowboys got it done. Yeah, everybody everybody generally uh winning their games right now in DFW. The uh you you have the Rangers with their their big off season as well. Um, you know, the the recent stuff they've gotten like the the signing of Nathan Ivaldi. So even, even when they're not playing right now, they're winning. And so it's a uh it's a wonderful time. I'll have to check with KG on how uh the wings are doing. I don't know, are they playing right now? Um, but I'll, I'll check with KG and get back to you guys on how they're doing.
1: Yeah, please uh, please shoot him a text mm-hmm. and let me know. Yep, yep uh, I'll text him right now. I, I really need to know. Uh, so the Dallas Stars actually are on a bit of a hot streak here. They
2: What are you, Joey? Leading off headlines with the Stars?
1: I, I just want to quick hit this. <laughs> I just want to get it out of the way because I know this is not my strong sport. But uh, the Stars are on a roll right now because they actually lead the West. And by a comfortable margin, too, they are uh, they are tied with the Vegas Knights in total points and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, if you will. And uh, really inside of their division, it's a five point lead for them. So uh, I I was talking about this yesterday with KG, the whole Pete DeBoer thing, bringing him in from the Golden Knights after he got fired. Well, I, I thought that was a lateral move, but he's making things shake for the stars right now. And he's getting everyone to buy in and they're scoring a lot of points right now.
2: They are, and I need, uh, look, I, I've talked about this on the air recently. As much as I like to to joke my bit about, like, uh, soccer and how I will do the same a little bit with hockey, like, I actually really do enjoy hockey when I sit and watch it, and there, there's enough of what you're getting right now in terms of the, the electricity when you watch stuff from, you know, Ottinger and, and Robertson and stuff like that that it's like, I really do need to carve out more time to try and get into this. Because I I enjoy it. It's just I've never ever had the the time when you're following the other three sports as closely as due to like feel like you're up to date on it like you need to be. So I just end up you know falling back, relying on on Gavin Spittle and and Joey Erickson to keep me up to date on them.
1: And yeah, Joey's been. Uh, the hockey novice Peyton tried to put the hockey Hawk title on him last Monday. And I was like, do you want your job? <laughs> you, you, you better stop right now. But the, the stars take on the LA Kings in LA tomorrow. If you have the fortunate access to Bally sports, you can catch that tomorrow at nine o'clock, but the Dallas Mavericks return to action. As we hit in the previous segment, they face the Houston Rockets tonight at seven. Uh, you would expect against a horrible defense like the Rockets, this should be an easy and quick trip in and out of Houston. But right now, you never know, especially with guys like Maxi Kleba but down. So you can catch that tonight at 7. You would hope.
2: Worst team in the West, you'd hope you'd be able to beat them.
1: You would hope, but they have found some weird ways to lose some weird games. So I'm not going to put anything gonna, past
2: There's going to be some point here where Luke is just like, exhausted and, and yeah. isn't going to be able to continue to do what he's doing. I would think, I don't know, I mean, like he's an alien, like like I guess it's possible that he can keep doing this, but like the minutes, the the amount that he's playing right now um, is just, it's it's going to be pretty tough to sustain. You look at the during the stretch where he's had the, the 45, 46 points per game, whatever it is, these five games, 42 minutes, 39, 30, or 42, 39, 47, 34, 37. Um, and so... Hopefully you put this one away quickly. Luca does the uh, the old Kobe, puts up like sixty two points through three quarters, you can rest in the fourth, and uh, you know we can live long and prosper.
1: I hope they prosper. They need to find a way to uh, continue this hot streak that the Mavs have stuck themselves into, and it's been fun to watch right now. But again. 50 points a game not necessarily sustainable 50 brisket 50 brisket as Zach Wolchuk would say you're a uh, Dallas Cowboys. I love Wolchuk that
2: is a terrible terrible nickname or whatever for it though Yeah it's not great I just don't want to call it I don't want to call it anything We call it a 50 spot if you have to call it anything or a 40 spot just like it can just be spot but like the the 40 burger the 50 brisket the 60 piece McNugget like whatever you're calling it like it's just <laughs> I just don't do that please
1: don't do it. I won't. Bobby
2: hates fun. That's what the fan going to hit me with now, because they always hit me with that whenever I say I don't like 40 Burger.
1: I mean, I won't do it either, because I think 50 Brisket is a bit of a reach. I think 40 Burger was a bit more natural. I don't know why. That one just fits a little bit
2: better. Man, Swaggy Booties makes a good point on the uh, Twitch chat. How does Bobby have time to dig up old pics and videos of coworkers but not watch hockey? Um. So the <laughs> the thing is that, like, I knew where those videos were of Peyton and Wolchuk and Chiafalo, so, like, I just while i'm i'm you know sitting down i can watch an 8 minute video and then see these hilarious clips and then and then trim them out a hockey game is like you know a few hours and then it's not just watching it but keeping up to date with the rest of the league like it's a, it's a more involved process than that swaggy booties
1: you do have a mysterious way of working like uh, wait yeah. 7 days ago what did you do as soon as uh, the 1053 the fan legend Nate Wood tweeted at me what did you do you responded with four pictures of me from high school. Yes,
2: but how did I do that? Again, he tagged you in the st- the radio station handle. So what I figured was, let me click on the handle, and then I went to media on tweets and just scrolled back two years, which was, you know, 15 pictures or something, and very easily, boom, okay, here are pictures out. It took me two minutes. But who thinks of this outside of you? Me and Penn Badgley. That's it. <laughs> just me and, and and the writers of you. That's it. Is that you uh, putting
1: out your uh, audition tape right there?
2: Man, I'm not even kidding. Uh, RJ Ochoa, David Hellman, uh, Jane Slater, they've all said the same thing where they're like, the char- Pen Badgley's character in you is like the alternate path Bobby could have gone down if he didn't have a moral compass or if he was evil. Like, <laughs> this is this is where he would have ended up. But because he has somewhat of a conscience, he just looks for sports stats and embarrassing videos of Chiafalo and Wolchuk.
1: That is actually terrifying to think about. Uh, what also might be a little interesting to think about is this headline from Pro Football Talk, uh, friend of the program. The Denver Broncos have contacted Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh about their coaching vacancy, a source told Mike Florio. When was this posted? This was posted last night.
2: Last night. No- oh, wow. Even after TCU mollywhopped them. Okay. Well, good for you, uh, Denver. Willing to to do that even after... Sonny Dykes showed you who the superior coach was.
1: He really did. And uh, the Broncos fired their first-year head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, uh, on Monday, which feels like a decade ago already because of all the rumors that have already began swirling uh, amid that disastrous uh, rookie coaching season that Hackett put uh, put on with Russell Wilson. uh, Not exactly working out there. And they think Jim Harbaugh can be the guy that can fix it. Do you, Bobby Belt?
2: I think Jim Harbaugh's the guy you bring in to push a team over the edge. I don't think Jim Jim Harbaugh's like the guy you bring in to like repair an organization or build one or or anything like that. Like that's why I would have been I actually would have been in favor of Harbaugh here. Like when when the Cowboys, we all felt like they were kind of close and they went and hired McCarthy. Like at that time, I thought Harbaugh's not a bad pick here because he's somebody who has a bit of a reputation, I think, of wearing out his welcome pretty quick, but he he gets the most out of guys or did up until Michigan. A lot of people have claimed that Michigan has, has you know, broken that glass a little bit for him. Um, but he's somebody who I think you you view as comes in, helps push teams over the top, helps helps get them to where they are. They're getting the most out of their talent. And then within three or four years is out the door. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I, I view him. And I don't think that Denver is a team right now that is – is that Denver needs a lot of repair. Denver's got a lot of things going on with them, and and I, I don't know that that's the fix for them.
1: So piggybacking off of that, Benjamin Albright is a really well-connected and uh, well-versed insider around the NFL, but especially for the Denver Broncos up there in their local media. And he has been on Twitter a lot lately and on their uh, talk shows up there saying Dan Quinn, Jim Harbaugh. That's the end of the conversation right now. So you're taking Dan Quinn over Harbaugh right now if you're the Broncos.
2: Man, it's tough because also what Denver has said pretty consistently is they need they need somebody to come in there and fix the offense. Um which some of the reports, some of the rumors have been that if Dan Quinn went there, he would take Brian Schottenheimer with him, which a lot of people don't know Brian Schottenheimer's here in Dallas right now. Um and he is uh he's here as a, I think his official title is analyst or um like, like a consultant or something along those lines. But he's here with the Cowboys. He helps out with a lot of stuff. So the idea would be that Quinn would go take over. Schottenheimer would come in to uh, run the offense. And Brian Schottenheimer is a guy who's gotten the most out of Russell Wilson during his career. Those three years that he was the offensive coordinator in Seattle were the three best years of Russell Wilson's career. Um, and so that could be attractive to them. That, that could make some sense. But just the comments they made about – Their head coaching hire, it sounded like they wanted to find an offensive-minded head coach.
1: It's interesting because with these reports, you know, you mentioned that's a defensive coordinator and then a college coach uh, that has NFL experience, but like you say, he might not be the guy that's the fix-it-now guy. So is there a direction you would lean there if you're the Broncos? Is there a Out of those two? Or or just a name that might not be If you can go
2: get Sean Payton, I think Sean Payton does make a lot of sense there. Yeah. Where Sean Payton's a guy who uh, I, I think can can help build the offensive identity that they want i would trust him to try to get the most out of russell wilson i think he made drew Brees. Uh, i think he extended drew Brees' career much longer than other people should i know a lot of people say that Peyton's overrated and and i get Peyton is not you know bill belichick but he is somebody who i think can absolutely get the most out of an offensive unit and so if that's what they're looking for yeah go get him if you can do that
1: going to be a very interesting coaching cycle coming up here in the offseason centered around you know the Dallas Cowboys own Dan Quinn he's going to pop up in a lot of coaching searches and would not be shocking to see him go but uh, who you might see go out of the one seed is the Philadelphia Eagles that's the biggest headline after last night is the Eagles have found a way to Almost screw this up for themselves uh, by losing to the Saints, who had Andy Dalton running things at quarterback. And as you said, Andy Dalton's biggest win as a Cowboy was the
2: Red Rifle
1: yesterday for the Red Rifle. It was that TCU energy. He was just feeling himself yesterday and uh, he, he got it done.
2: He did close with a Go Frogs. He did finish his media availability with a Go Frogs. Uh, but you know they they've started getting really banged up. Obviously Jalen Hurts, Lane Johnson. When they came when they were coming into Dallas, everybody felt like they were pretty healthy. But then yesterday there was the the scary issue in the first quarter with Josh Sweat. Yeah, um, where he was carted off the field with a neck injury. Uh, I, I, he was transported to a hospital. Um, he was released last night, I believe. Um, he had movement in all his extremities. He he went to Twitter last night and said thank you for your prayers and support. I'll be back this season be very interesting. I, I don't know if that's just him saying that with a level of confidence or or if he's been told, hey, you're fine. It was just a a, a brief concern, but man, he's been incredible for them. We saw him make that big pe- that big pick on Dak uh, on Christmas Eve with that game and, and the type of athleticism he had there, how frequently he was in the backfield. He's been a ton of their, like, like, like a big reason for their pass rush. If you look at since November 27th, uh, he has seven and a half sacks for them just in, in the span of the last couple games. In fact, that was a streak of one, two, three, four, five straight games with a sack from Josh Sweat going into yesterday before he got hurt. But man, that would be a critical loss for the Eagles if they're missing him at all for the playoffs.
1: Already dealing with a banged up Jalen Hurts, Lane Johnson missing the rest of the regular season, likely to come back for the playoffs, avoiding surgery. That's a beat up squad there in Philly and that loss has put the NFC East, at least for the moment, still up for grabs. And there are two scenarios here that could play out outside of the one that is already here as it stands. Uh, The Cowboys could get the number two seed if they beat Washington this week. The Eagles lose to the Giants. And the 49ers beat the Cardinals. You could get the two seed there and get yourself a home game. But the number one seed is still in play, although unlikely. You still have to beat the Commanders and the Eagles still have to lose to the Giants, but the 49ers have to lose to an abysmal Cardinals team. So mathematically, there's still a chance. Is it likely? Probably not. But is it fun to speculate and is it fun to hope? I mean, it was really hard to imagine the Eagles, even with Gardner Minshew, losing yesterday, period. Who needs math? Yeah, who really? Needs math?
2: I I mean like that's what, why I'm a comms major. What what is what is math? Who who needs that? We're not gonna worry about that. Look, we're we're just gonna go into next week, screw Common Core. We're we're gonna we're gonna win this thing, baby. NFC East is here.
1: I like the blue collar mentality. You mean the <laughs> NFC Beast?
2: The NFC Beast. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: what that's what your guy Peyton Russell loves to say. He loves to flex that. But uh, Peyton. Yeah, those guys will be back tomorrow in case you were wondering why the hell I am in Sean's seat right now uh, for the holiday. Alec Medford, Bobby Belt with you. Reminder that coming up here in this hour, we will have a ticket giveaway to see Adam Sandler live at the American Airlines Center in February. So keep it locked on because that will be coming up here within the hour. But coming up next, it's time to open up the expressway. We will spy on Philly Radio because that was uh, by popular demand yesterday on Twitter. We got some of their first show this morning. And boy, was it spicy. Cowboys burning questions. And we'll talk a little bit about the new year coming up next on The Fan. Welcome back to Sean and RJ right here on 105.3 The Fan. Alec Medford and Bobby Belt. Just an honorary on the ones and twos for you today. The regular squad will be back tomorrow. And I will get back to my rightful place On the weekends coming up at the top of the hour, we have an interesting conversation concerning MVP awards across sports leagues. An uh, article from The Athletic centered around the NBA MVP has a lot of talk about Luka Doncic maybe not getting enough credit in MVP consideration because of the team surrounding him and the success surrounding the team. Then at 8.20, I'm really excited because I haven't hosted with Bobby in a while. And we're going to bring back my favorite segment on the fan.
2: AM on the FM? No, shooting the breeze with the beef. Oh, bee. we're going to
1: shoot the breeze with the beef. Let's yes. do it. My favorite segment on the fan is returning because why not? Yeah, but Let's knock it out. Uh, right now, we open up the Expressway. 35 minutes of uninterrupted sports content for... Uh, Some spying on Philly radio by popular demand, Uh, because the Eagles, if you weren't aware, they screwed up yesterday and they found a way to lose to the New Orleans Saints at home at the link 20 to 10 to Andy Dalton.
2: Nolens magic, baby.
1: Yeah, that uh, New Orleans magic is in full play for the Dallas Cowboys because that has implications on them and their hopes for the division title, the two-seed, the one-seed even still at play. There's a lot there, and not only the Dallas Cowboys, it opens up a path for the San Francisco 49ers, so there truly was a lot at stake here uh, with the Eagles going you know, home and really finding a way to screw things up, even with Gardner Minshew. I, I sang his praises before the Cowboys played Minshew and the Eagles, saying this guy could start on
2: numerous NFL teams, So he's, he's a, he's still, I believe is a really strong backup quarterback. Like, like I, I would, I would absolutely have him as my backup quarterback on, on whatever team I had. And, and I think he's, I know there's some people pushing back against this. I I think Minshew's better than, than Cooper rush, for instance. Like I would, I would take Minshew over Cooper rush for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely. The experience is there and he is a guy that can give you a play. You know, he is a guy that can make a few nice throws. He can get moving on the run. Made a
2: bunch against you on Christmas Eve.
1: Yeah, so he he proved that, you know, he almost, he had, what, 350 or so passing yards? Like, this guy, he can move the ball. And this is the game that I would expect the backup quarterback to win at home against an ugly Saints team that just has really no sense of direction right now. Uh, After, you know, getting rid of Sean Payton, Drew Brees retiring, it was just like instant failure for them and they found a way to get a really quality win uh and it could have been even uglier there were a few points in the game where the saints could have capitalized and really made this thing a route but being the saints they screwed up their own but hey a 10 point win over a one seed in the nfc is uh, nothing to complain about but you know who is complaining this morning
2: is it WIP? It's WIP out in Philadelphia. Now, now I know Justin is is doing the spying for us this morning. Justin, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, we did not have Angelo Cataldi in the morning team, right? They were off this morning.
3: Yeah, it was some off uh, the
2: Yeah, it's John Johnson, Marcus Hayes, and Rob Cherry. So, actually, you know what? We might be able to do some double spying because tomorrow when Angelo comes back, I don't think yeah. he's going to feel great. When, when he returns so we'll, we'll get the initial WIP spine here and then I don't know I'm gonna have to check with Sean see if he wants to to spy on Angelo in the morning because I'm sure he wants to hear the Angelo tears
1: yeah uh, there's nothing sweeter than the Angelo tears and that would be great and that's a good reason why you need to turn it on leave it on and come back every morning with Sean and RJ but we are going to start with the shows open uh, this will be cut number five Justin uh, this was quite the bold take to start off the show out there in Philly.
3: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the WIP Morning Show. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope nothing but the best for you and your family in 2023. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, that will be the only positive comment spoken over the next four hours. <laughs> Sunday afternoon. We were all witnesses to the worst Eagles performance of the season.
2: <laughs> yeah, very dramatic.
1: Yeah, come out firing.
2: It's not wrong you? though, right? That was their worst performance. You look at the look at the first half, just the first half statistics. So this game finished pretty close uh in terms of the the statistical comparison. Like they both finished with 313 yards exactly. Uh, and the Eagles did it on fewer plays, and so they, it, it actually, they they finished even on the turnover sheet, but here was the first half rundown. First downs, New Orleans 13, Philadelphia 2. First downs, uh, or, or, or third down efficiency, Saints 6 of 10, Eagles 1 of 5. Total net yards, Saints 247, and the Eagles had 61. No. Woof which means that on the opposite end of that that Philadelphia in the second half picked up 252 yards and the Saints picked up 66 but it didn't matter because Philadelphia's a bunch of losers and they lost
1: <laughs> too little too late for the Philadelphia Eagles and
2: just like jojo said it's just too little too late
1: just too little too late and you know what's amazing is some of the efficiency scores outside of that you know like the Eagles averaged almost 2 yards per play more than the Saints, and still could not get the right play at the right
2: time. Penalties, third down, killed them. They, they had eight penalties on the day. They were three of 12 on third down. Just ugly, 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 ugly. Couldn't they, run the ball like they normally do. Did, kind of got away from it, obviously, because they fell down. Um, but, man, their, their run game, I'm surprised. I thought they would be more committed to the run game these two weeks without Jalen Hurts than they have been. He he is, like, all, he he is the, the complete and and total heart and soul of that running game. If he's not there, they don't run the ball as well.
1: Yeah. And it is odd even with Miles Sanders statistically has been a top 5 back. Uh these really this entire season but these past few weeks he's shown, you know, I think wasn't it his first fumble all year against the Cowboys? Um, I
2: believe so. And didn't he have did he have two in that game?
1: Yeah, and he had two. So it's weird to see them move away even after some slight inconsistency at the run game in the running back position. It's weird to see them move away from it. I got the
2: second fumble of the year,
1: second fumble like this guy, he does not give up the football and to see them move away from that was really odd. And it was funny. I listened to a bit of their morning show out there at uh, WIP when I got here. I'm sorry. And they, yeah, uh, I just wanted to, I wanted to get some bulletin board material and, They were not happy about the amount of carries Miles Sanders got. I heard right when I turned on the stream, all I heard was, you know how many uh, carries Miles Sanders got at that point in the game? Two! And I was like, oh, boy, they're not happy.
2: They're losing their minds out there.
1: They're not happy with the run game right now. And uh, you know what they were not happy to uh, think about was playing highlights of their own radio broadcast. Uh, They didn't even want to hear the great Meryl
3: Reese. I do not wish to start this program by playing highlights from the great Merrill Reese, uh, because I fear nausea will return, and we'll be unable to speak. Listening back to that heinous performance by the oh Philadelphia my gosh, Eagles. Oh gosh, it's awful. Thank you, Merrill. That's that's. I could not have said it any better. <laughs> there was so much bad in that sixty minutes of play. Um, you would have thought the Saints, led by Andy freaking Dalton, were thirteen and two. And the Eagles were six and nine.
1: Oh man, I love the cadence there. So Andy much bad, freaking Dalton in that sixty minutes of football. Gosh. Andy freaking Dalton. I'm so,
2: why why not play the highlight? I want to I want to I want to hear how he called the the Marshawn Lattimore pick six with five minutes remaining when they still had a shot. Oh, I bet you're When he was Minshew, when Minshew went full Minshew. Yeah, yeah, well, that uh, Mitchell drops back. Look, at, It's picked <laughs> off by Marshawn Lattimore, and he's going to run it in. He's going to run it in. It, it's a nine-point lead, penny the extra point, and, and, and Jalen Hurts cannot get back soon enough.
1: <laughs> that might have been verbatim what happened. <laughs> oh, man. I, I love the drop there, too. Kudos to the producer over there because that drop, this is awful. This is terrible. That, that, was, that drop was so well-timed. That was good. Coming from a producer, Uh, that was... That was fantastic. But, yeah, they're they're not having it uh, with the highlights. They're not having it with reliving any of this game because apparently that was an awful 60 minutes of football, and it really was. Uh, I just love the egregious overreaction when they do realize uh, you're all pro future Hall of Fame. Offensive lineman out. Josh Sweat gets injured in the game. Jalen Hurts not playing. The overreactions are fantastic, and just thinking about what was at stake there yes there were things at stake there was playoff positioning but the likelihood of all of that happening not really high not really much of a chance there and yet the overreaction is still pouring in
2: it's uh they're they're pretty they're pretty upset there in philadelphia in fact i was just trying to to look here and see i want to find uh I, i'm going to keep looking for this i want to find the just general like if anybody's Collected all of the the Eagles uh meltdown tweets because there are gonna be plenty of them uh and and them losing their minds because I did see plenty of it. Um it, like for instance, how much has everybody talked about how great Jonathan Gannon, the like defensive coordinator, has yeah. been all year? Like already you've got an Eagles fan yesterday that was tweeting it would be irresponsible for Sirianni to bring Gannon back next season. He absolutely sucks.
4: <laughs> oh, you
2: got another one here. It's hard to explain to people that Jonathan Gannon sucks. When the Eagles have 65 sacks this year, but he sucks. So they're losing their minds over there. That's where all the uh, everything is being targeted this morning is on Jonathan Gannon, their defensive coordinator.
1: it's funny because he will absolutely get targeted in the head coaching cycle. He will at least get a few phone calls uh, because he has been spectacular. But there has been a trend there. The conversation, you know, it's not saying the guy should lose his job, but the conversation around Gannon's defense should be had because it, it dates back to Dallas on uh, Christmas Eve. Dak Prescott was surgical against their zone.
2: He was oh, yeah. perfect. perfect.
1: He was perfect. Not a single incompletion, 300 yards and two touchdowns. And to start perfect. off the, to start off down the to game... Down
2: to the last minute detail.
1: Look at you. This is why I miss working with you. <laughs> uh, and down even even when you're at home against a really not good offense with Andy Dalton playing quarterback to start off the game, he was 14 of 14 against zone coverage.
2: So they just can't play zone anymore.
1: They can't play zone anymore, which is really intriguing when you think about how they've grown this secondary, how their linebacker core has gotten a little bit better here recently It's really weird to think how things are starting to fall from grace in terms of the zone coverage. Obviously, you still have a really good corner trio that can play some man coverage, although Dallas kind of exposed that they're not going to be perfect every play in man. They rely on the zone coverage, and it's failing them right now, or more so they're failing the coordinator right now, because when you go back and watch them, it doesn't feel like they're doing much schematically wrong. It feels more so wrong place at the wrong time. And the offense is just figuring it out. You're seeing a lot of those plays like the mentality of, hey, if you find a zone, like a hole in the zone, just turn around and find the quarterback, Mm -hmm. find the ball. You're seeing a lot of that against the Eagles. You know, it's like, if you have this concept, if you have an option route, screw it. If you find a hole in the zone, stop, turn around, show that you're open, get the ball and run with it feels like the zone coverage is starting to uh, fail the Eagles as a plate.
2: It's been really, really rough, and that's why I was uh, just collecting. It made me wonder. I, I needed to go back. So we're, we're obviously spying on Philly and doing the Philly tears, but I need to see the the Philly tears on Twitter now that I'm discovering how much they hate Jonathan Gannon. <laughs> uh, and so here's just a collection of of tweets from Eagles fans yesterday. Let's do it. Uh, Jonathan Gannon will still suck for the entire remaining amount of football in this season. Uh, Hassan Reddick in coverage on third down is a crime. Jonathan Gannon, you suck. You're just flat out trash. Uh, new year, but same Jonathan Gannon guy effing sucks. Uh, Jonathan Gannon sucks. I'm begging any team to hire him this off season. Uh, Jonathan Gannon effing sucks. I hate that B a, uh, if you support Jonathan Gannon, you can blank my blank Uh, I seriously wish nothing but the worst for Jonathan Gannon the fact that this loser makes bank to suck at his job week in and week out is inexcusable Saints blitz and force a three and out but our defensive coordinator would rather be soft as baby S this is hilarious and sad at the same time Uh, the Saints really just eight minute just eight nine minutes and scored a touchdown I hate Jonathan Gannon Uh, I actually hate Jonathan Gannon in a way that's not even funny Uh, I think it's absolutely nuts. Jonathan Gannon is so highly... Yeah, we already did this one. Highly regarded in NFL circles. Uh, He's got arguably the most talented defensive roster in the NFL and still manages to let average quarterbacks cook against him. His scheme is incredibly flawed. Y'all can have him. He sucks. So there's some of the Eagles meltdown on Twitter. Bobby, if you thought that was bad, uh, you should have seen them talking about him after the Cowboys game, especially when... Third and 30? Well, no, no, no. More so that... Uh, they didn't want C. C. D. Lamb going off so much that why is he scared to put Slay and uh, Bradbury in the slot and stuff like that? Yeah, why are you scared? You
1: big coward, you suck. I just saw a tweet as I looked it up. It was, you know, why are you relying on soft zone coverages when you have the luxury of having pro bowlers on the outsides? You know, a little bit more logical of a tweet, but it's true. Uh, And it goes to Justin's point. (laughs) I'm staring at this tweet right now that's pretty great. It's a highlight video of Kobe and Shaq playing together. It says Kobe, K- and it says Kellen Moore and Jonathan Gannon in the CFL next year.
2: Oh gosh, Ouch. that's what, Ed, you. You think they can actually uh, win though? According to the Eagles fans, Jonathan Gannon just sucks. I love oh, yeah. this like there was nobody more highly regarded as an assistant coach like through the first 8 weeks of the season it feels like than Jonathan Gannon and now Eagles fans just they've got no context at all it's just he sucks which everybody's guilty of this right like Cowboys fans sound just as 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 you know upset and freak out whenever they lose and any fan base does i get it it's the emotional moment but man i it, it sure is enjoyable to hear it when it's Philadelphia
1: it really is. It's nice to get away from the local market and hear that, hey, overreaction is not just a Dallas-Fort Worth-Metroplex exclusive thing. And speaking of overreaction, they did take some callers. And uh, I'm going to let Justin pick here. There was a few different callers that called in. I heard a few of them. He pulled a few of them for us. So where are we going to go here, Justin?
2: Do you want to go with already hitting on Minshew, or did the Eagles go on the party last night or on New Year's Eve? What? Let's go to New Year's Eve. I'm curious if they – you know, we we know about the party boat with the Giants. Did the the Eagles party a little too hard?
3: Mike in Douglasville is on WIP. Hey, Mike.
4: Listen, I don't know if this entire team minus the defensive line went out for a New Year's party or whatever. But these guys, whether it was the play calling, whether it was the corners, the safeties, the offensive line, the wide receivers – all of them were absolutely freaking terrible except for the defensive line. That was the only bright spot of yesterday's game. There's one reason that we even got points on the board, and that was because the Saints defensive back sucked at life on one damn play, and we were, we were able, A.J. Brown was able to get past him and, and get a touchdown. Yeah, That was the only thing that looked good. Why the hell are we going – into halftime, and Andy freaking Dalton and Taysom Hill combined for one incompletion. It's absolutely ridiculous. Go ahead and say we gave up only 13 points. Okay, the fact that we gave up, what was it? Uh, it was, no,
3: I, but I understand to, to, to kind of encompass what you're trying to say, Mike. It's the defense kind of set the tone for a miserable afternoon. Uh, you know, when you combine that with the offense and their inability... Yeah, it, it put them in this deficit that, you know, they couldn't get out of.
4: Absolutely. And we're sitting here and wondering and saying it's just Gardner Minshew being the issue. Gardner Minshew, yes, he played absolutely terrible, along with the majority of the team, like I pointed out already. But when – of these pass plays that we had in the first half, how many of them were check downs to either Miles Sanders or Kenny Gainwell? How can we not scheme open A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, or uh, Dallas Goddard to do virtually anything past five yards. Because It, it seemed like every single pass play was either for five or six or seven yards, nothing past the sticks. We, we weren't trying to push the ball down the field at all. Do you take I, issue,
3: Mike, with the lack of running the ball in the first half?
4: I The one thing that I cannot get over with this coaching staff is their constant uh, – um, idea that they need to throw the ball to set up the run when how many years of football have been played that running the ball sets up the play action the play action sets up the actual pass. Mm. run the freaking ball to start the game and yeah okay go ahead and look back at the play-by-play the first freaking play of the game should be a goddamn run
3: <laughs> mike i appreciate the call
2: the eagles are the first team since the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on October 19th, 2000, the first team to have seven sacks and lose at home by double digits.
1: Wow. It's been
2: 22 years.
1: What a stat.
2: Cry Eagles cry.
1: Cry Eagles cry. And that goes exactly to the 817 on the com text. Line. Why are we talking about the Eagles? Because it's fun to hear them cry.
2: That's it, eight one seven. You you know you don't enjoy uh, wallowing in in Eagles misery. It's it's pretty pretty damn fantastic. Salty Eagles
1: tears are the best thing to wake up to in the morning outside of caffeine for me.
2: I know the like the the amount of blood or the amount of salt in my bloodstream from looking up these tears has shot my blood pressure up another ten points. Yeah, it's, we- uh I, I'm gonna need some potassium to balance this out.
1: Yeah, uh, we might need to uh, speed rush through the expressway if that's the case because uh, that doesn't sound good. So, uh, Justin, do we have any other Philly callers over at WIP?
3: Uh, we got one more. Let's that was go. Somewhat decent. Or you have every right to doubt the Philadelphia Eagles this morning. Scott and Barrington starts us off. Good morning, Scott. Brother
0: JJ, um, the Marcus. Uh, I'm. I'm, I'm I'm so mad at yesterday's game. I, if it makes sense, I can't be mad. It's, I'm with you, Brother Marcus. Menchu, he's the, he's the general on that football field. He's the one who threw the interception, overthrew people. He's been playing like he's never played before. I, I, I can't famine it. Then my buddy I was watching the game with said, well, you know, he worked with the, you know, first, you know, first, uh, you know, here's a player. I said, nah, he's been, he's been practicing with these guys. And then Mr. Kelsey, a Pro Bowler. How, how how are you making mistakes like that? How are you making mistakes like that? And and and, and then the referees. They the the thing with Landon Dickerson. What where where what what hole? What were they watching? I'm just it's just all around just everything. I'm just disgusted with Minshew. That's why he's a backup.
3: That's this why he's a why
2: backup. He's, that's why he's a backup. I got to say, this is a great argument these last couple weeks. It is a great argument for Jalen Hurts and the type of play and and how important he is to them. But like when Micah says is the team or is it the Yeah. last couple weeks, it's it's kind of been the quarterback. But, uh, you know, we'll get another opportunity to see if it is the quarterback this week. He'll play. We'll we'll see how good he is. And uh, if the Cowboys are able to pull off the NFC East.
1: That is a conversation that I did see happening a lot last night was, you know, this is why Jalen Hurts is the MVP, why he's got my vote and my vote and your vote and everyone's vote. Uh, And it does make an intriguing case as to maybe we should open up those discussions a little bit more. Obviously, him missing a couple of games has hurt his chances astronomically, but It does prove, because I will admit I was the guilty party in that argument that, hey, maybe Sirianni, as much as I dislike that man and think he is the most slappable coach in the NFL, he has done a fantastic job with that offense. And then you look at the tools put around Jalen Hurts, the front office, Howie Roseman is executive of the the year, far and away. The job he did of elevating that roster around Jalen Hurts to work with his skill set and to work with Sirianni's offense I thought it was just the perfect storm of everything coming together at the right time to work for Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts just doing his job the best he can with those assets these past couple weeks as you mentioned have shown that that is Jalen Hurts's offense that is his thing that is his uh I don't want to say brainchild because that's Sirianni and the offensive coordinator but that is his product That is who the Eagles are. It is the Jalen Hurts show on offense. And I think it's okay to be upset right now if you're, you know, over in Philly. But you got to remember, this is Jalen Hurts' team. And it's kind of like what you're seeing. It's not as egregious, but it's what you're seeing in Baltimore when Lamar Jackson goes down with with a soft tissue injury. or they had been winning until yesterday. A knee injury. It's just not the same as the thing. You plug in, it's such a dynamic offense that is built such a di- uh, around such a dynamic player. And you plug in anyone else, even if they have the same physical makeup, if they have the same mental makeup, it's just not going to look the same. You could, even if, you know, it's your last go at it with Jackson and he, you know, ends up getting hurt for the year, you go trade for a guy. It doesn't matter. It's not going to be the same as it was with Jackson because it is tailor made for him. And that's what you're seeing with the Philadelphia Eagles right now. And it brings up questions. You're starting to see the holes in the defense and whatnot. But really, for the offense, we're not going to know what to expect until a wild card weekend when we get a full dose of Jalen Hurts. Or not wild card, but the second round, the divisional round of the playoffs, when you get Jalen Hurts back. And you start to figure things out again if that offense really
2: is broken or if it's just the product of having a backup well, quarterback. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be back this week, and then if they lose and Dallas wins, then we'll find out again wildcard weekend because yeah. they'll have to play then.
1: There's all kinds of math, but remember we said math is overrated, so I'm not doing any of it. But there is a chance for that to play out that way. I don't want to put too much stock into Hertz's performance in week 18, you know, coming off of a two-game injury. You know, the offense might not be clicking on full gear. Last game of the season, maybe they don't put too much stock into it either. Uh, It's really going to be a waiting game. It's going to be an eye test for the Philadelphia Eagles, but it is fun to hear them cry when they lose, is it?
2: Cry, Eagles, cry. Cry, That's what it's all about, baby.
1: Eagles, cry. Uh, But going back to the Cowboys conversation now, I do have some questions that need to be answered as we head into the playoffs and it starts with the playoff, you know, aura surrounding the wild card weekend, because there is a very sour taste in the mouths of Cowboys fans after that loss to the 49ers in the wild card round last year, where you got absolutely punched in the mouth. So in 2022, now 2023, are the Dallas Cowboys better positioned to win in the wild card round than they were last year? And why? Is it personnel? Is it mentality? Is it toughness? Or are they exactly where they are or where they were last year?
2: That's that's a tough question because, and you guys are are more than welcome to weigh in on these questions on the dot Fantex 877-881-1053. That's 877 881 or on uh, Twitch or YouTube. You guys can weigh in there on this stuff. I think I, I think they're better equipped in a vacuum to to win in the wild card round than they did last year. Um, the only question I have, because I think they are a tougher football team. They haven't been able to just get smacked in the mouth and, and lose games like they did last year. The only question is, if you want to talk about very specifically going up against the 49ers, do I think they're, they're better equipped to beat the 49ers than they were last year? No. I would pick the 49ers today if they were playing them. And so in that sense, because I think the 49ers are a different football team, I think they're better. So in that sense, no. If you line up and play against the 49ers on wildcard weekend, even if it's at AT&T Stadium, I think they probably still lose that game. And so in that sense, no. But in the sense of just in a vacuum going up against physical football teams, are they better prepared for that? Yes, they are they they they're a more physical team. They they've got some some nastiness to them that they didn't have last year. And even though they're not the most physical team in football, they are a a team that can handle that physicality a lot better. They're they're more prepared. They they're not just going to get, you know, they're not pushovers like they were at times last year.
1: And some good points coming in on the truck right.com text line, eight, seven, seven, eight, eight, one, one Oh five, three, the six, four, six that says the same or slightly better because of the Pollard usage. So maybe the run game comes into effect here in the playoffs and that split that they've really found that harmony between Zeke and Pollard. We've talked about it all season. That could be something that could really uh, benefit the Cowboys. The nine Oh three says, depends on what Cowboy team shows up and, really it's one of those clichés that is absolutely true with this team because you saw it all throughout last year and you, it's really what plagued them and threw them into a loss in the wild card round was you know that Denver game was the benchmark kept getting brought up and brought up is it going to be the Denver Cowboys you know that show up or is it going to be the earlier you know like week 4 team the week 5
2: team which anyone it, who played physical like Denver did got the result Denver did
1: Exactly. And, you know, they they said that they found the formula and they they surely did. Uh, 903 thinks the Cowboys come out flat too far off which I think is an intriguing. It, it's an intriguing argument when you talk about the playoffs specifically because good teams aren't going to allow you to come out flat. You know, they're going to take those defensive stops and they're going to score. You know, teams like the the Eagles, they're going to score on a defensive stop more times than not. Teams like the 49ers, their defense is too good to allow you to come out flat because they're going to turn that into a rhythm. They're going to turn that into a pattern. They're going to make it a trend to where you just won't score as often as you want. So I think that's a good point there.
2: Yeah, and you've got a couple of people weighing in on the uh, YouTube chat here. Uh, Joe Taylor, uh, who is the self-proclaimed number one Tolo, uh, says, I think we'll be better because of experience and being on the road. Uh, I doubt we'll have 14 penalties again, trying to overcome third and long all day versus an elite defense. Uh, you've got Jose Christian who says, didn't the Cowboys cover the spread against the Titans with a little thinking emoji. So thinking they, they played better than that. Joe Taylor also says y'all realize we didn't lose two in a row all year. Uh, Kenneth Knott says, "Why is it that if any other team has a major injury or deficiency, that's their excuse? If the Cowboys have a deficiency, we gave to man up, or, or uh, we told to man up and overcome. Uh, the goalpost gets moved all the time." Kenneth, that's a decent point. I think that that's just the reality of any fan base. Like internally, any fan base tends to look at themselves and and what they're missing, and not what they have, and and they 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 don't tend to do the same when they look externally. You know, whenever uh, like if Philly plays Dallas, like when Philly played Dallas, it was all about, we don't have Jalen hurts. Um, and, and how are we going to be able to do that? And it wasn't looking at guys that Dallas may be missing. When Dallas went into Philadelphia, it was all about who the Cowboys were missing for themselves. That's how they felt. And so I think every team has a tendency to do that. If, if the Cowboys were to go up against the Eagles in the playoffs again, and let's say that Josh sweats, not there, the Eagles are going to be to, Eagles fans that we are going to be talking about. We don't have Josh sweat. Lane Johnson's been banged up. We got this and that. Cowboys fans on the other side are going to be going, you know, Leighton Vanders has been banged up. Is he ready to play? Is Jonathan Hankins ready to play? How are we going to stop throwing it? It's just the way I think Kenneth that people tend to view the game as 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 your flaws are more accentuated and, and you tend to brush off whatever flaws they have. It's just, it's the nature of being a fan, I think.
1: Yeah, and the saying gets thrown around a lot. I know uh, Brian Broadis says it a lot. Nobody in the NFL feels bad for you ever. Yep, And I feel like it's just in a vacuum here in our Metroplex. We only see that conversation like, oh, you should be able to next man up mentality and go win a game. We only see that because that's the only thing we seek out. I do think that there are enough uh, teams that deal with the same thing and do get that expectation as well. So maybe it's just the, the vacuum of our market. But you mentioned Dak Prescott there, and this is a question that the fan text is going to love. Dak Prescott turnovers will cost you a playoff game. Yes or no?
2: I It's unpredictable because has he made a bunch of turnover worthy throws? No. Regardless of what anybody wants to come in here and say, the fact of the matter is half the interceptions he's thrown this year have not been turnover worthy throws. Now he's, he's had seven of them that are on him 100% and that's a higher number than we're used to seeing from him. That's absolutely something that uh, is 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 tough to live with, but I can't predict. It's it, it's completely unpredictable to wonder: Is a ball gonna bounce off Noah Brown's chest? Is a yeah. ball gonna bounce off of Peyton Hendershot's chest? Is a ball gonna get batted at the line of scrimmage, or or is there gonna be a collision and it happens to go there? That's the stuff that's fluky that you can't project. You can't predict. Turnovers in general hurt your football team. When when you turn the ball over, you're gonna lose football games. And so the question is, okay, what kind of is Dak eliminating the turnovers like the one he the second one he threw to Kevin Byard? Or are we talking about like the first one that was thrown to Kevin Byard? Because that's going to be the difficulty of assessing this is trying to figure out has he cleaned up his own wrong decisions? If he has, then I think some of that flukiness generally balances out over time and you'll see less of that. It's just a matter of is Dak playing clean football, which in recent weeks I think he generally is. And so it's it's just the nature of the beast with some of those you know tipped interceptions and things like that.
1: Yeah, even with the bad decisions included, if you just eliminate the tip passes, the drop passes that turn into turnovers, a lot of these box scores look a pretty good bit different. You know, you, you take away the Peyton Hendershot drop into the interception. You know, you don't even have to score on that drive. You at least kill more clock you push the ball further back down the field and then we're not talking about Dak having two interceptions in that game uh every turnover has its own story has its own you know why behind it and so that's why it is hard to kind of break down and dissect if those things will become an issue in the long term but seeing a lot of reaction on the fan text you know can't blame Dak for the receiver's hands uh Bobby Bell is apparently smoking something. If he thinks Dak's turnovers won't cost us a playoff game.
2: In the the Twitch, we just got a flat, yes, it will cost them. From uh, KURBYD. Let's
1: see. seven seven five. Keep the Cowboys defense off the field as much as possible.
2: I'm with Mark Waltz in the YouTube chat. We have to be unafraid to throw the ball downfield, put the defense on alert. That's what you got to do. This team, I've said it consistently recently, and it's 100% the case, I believe. This team will go as far as Dak and CD, their connection can take them. When they are on, teams have real trouble keeping up with Dallas. When there's, you know, there's struggles for CeeDee Lamb, or if Dak Prescott's turning the ball over, those sorts of things are happening, or Dak's not able to get the ball to C D, that's where you run into real issues with the Cowboys. But if that connection is clicking, they're an incredibly dangerous football team in January and February.
1: All absolutely true, and thank you for the interaction on the fan text and on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, I just know that Dak Prescott is absolutely a trigger word around here nowadays when you especially pair them with interceptions. So uh, interesting to see the disparity in between thought processes there as we close up the expressway, but I do think I promised something. At the top of the hour. And that is exactly what we're going to do right now. It is time. Tolos, caller number 10 right now at 877-881-1053. Wins a pair of tickets to see Adam Sandler live at American Airlines Center on February 15th. Tickets are now on sale at LiveNation.com. That's caller number 10, 877-881-1053. Good luck to whoever. calls in and gets in congratulations to whoever wins and coming up on the other side are we valuing contributions versus wins correctly we'll find out for mvp awards we'll find out next right here on the fan
0: odyssey celebrates mother's day brought to you by t-mobile you can count on t-mobile to help you stay connected on america's largest 5g
3: network oh oh
0: oh